0: Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, His Story. kicking off a new series, and I don't know if you can tell by my terrible artwork down here, but it's a play, and the new series is called History, and it's a play on words because ultimately we'll find out it's really his story, and so over the last two, three weeks that I've been here, all I have done is, you see all this, this is all a mess, but I've got... All these books, and I've read like every single word in this. I've just been opening it up and reading it every day and trying to understand who we are as a church of, of blackjack. G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton, he once said, never take up a fence until you know the reason it was there in the first place. And so to lead forward, I wanted to look back and say, why, like, who are we? Why do we do what we do? And really just to know your heart's. I mean, what 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 do you have in you? What where do you want to go? And so, a a, a lot of a time and work has been in here. And on Saturday nights, a lot of times to prepare for my message on Sunday, I will come in in the sanctuary and I'll just preach my sermon to nobody. I, I just imagine people are here and I'm like walking around the stage like I'm doing right now. I just preach like you know, like happy as everything. And yet, last night I was preaching, and this voice—I promise you, I'm not kidding—I I can't explain it. It's the craziest thing. Uh, a voice in my head started screaming at me, like "Leave, leave, 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 leave." And it was started out kind of like, like how I'm saying it, "Leave, leave, leave." But then it got louder and louder and louder, to where it was like so loud in my head, like "Leave right now!" I was like, "God, are you wanting me to leave?" And it was like, "Yes, you need to leave right now." And so. In, in that moment and I, I I've never said this to any church or anywhere but I, it actually happened last night and so um, I slipped on my shoes and in that moment I saw a, like in my head I don't know how to explain this um, like a like a demonic spirit. And I said, "Oh my goodness! Like this is the craziest thing that I've ever done in my life since see, so I saw my shoes on. And I'm like, I'm like getting out of here. And the guys, like, leave, leave, leave. And I get about right here, and I'm headed out. Got all my stuff. And and I hear, hold on. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. And, I, and that, that moment, the, the, the thing of Abraham, Abraham going up to the mountain, popped in my head because Abraham took his son up, and God was testing him to see if he would go. And then when he got there. God said no 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 I'll make a way And I said well okay well do you want me to tell this tomorrow? He said, and, and this is this is all in my head now yes I want you to tell the story when you when you when you start tomorrow I want you to tell the story but I don't want you to write it down and I don't want you to tell it I, I never said anything about it last night like while I was preaching to the invisible youth in my head never did but I tell you I, I say I say that to tell you to the, this hey I, I I think this message and this series has the potential to do great things in the kingdom of heaven. And I really think, I really think that there are some powerful things coming up against it. But I I know this. I know God is faithful. I know God is a God of sovereignty. And I put my trust in that. Put my trust in that. I've never done uh, what I'm about to do this morning, but I have two passages of Scripture that I want you to get out your Bible and turn to. I've never preached from two passages of Scripture like this, but uh, I, I kind of was sitting there this morning and, and I, I felt like I should. So I think, by the way, that it's important to do that. Like, as I'm sitting there pray, praying and as Clayton is kind of playing through, I think it's important to listen to the Holy Spirit to see if He nudges you in a certain way. And it's important to listen to those nudges when you can. And so, we I got 1 in First Kings uh, chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. And I believe the second scripture is going to be found in Matthew 7, um, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So maybe 7, 20, um, 7 uh, 28, something like that. but. 1 Kings 18 first. 1 Kings 18. You probably find your place in the Bible faster than I do. I, I didn't do Bible drills as a kid. I should have. I'm so slow finding stuff. Okay. 1 Kings 18, verse 41. And it says this. Ha, Beat you there. Then, verse 41... 1 Kings 18. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed. This would be interesting. He prayed with his like face between his knees. I'm not very good at yoga or gymnastics, but he must have been in shape to to do that. Pray with his face between his knees. Then he said, verse 43, then he said to a servant, go out and look towards the sea. Then the servant went and, and, and then looked and returned to Elijah, and here's what he said. He said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look, finally, on the seventh time, I, I want to preach already, but I I, I don't need to. I don't, uh, okay, oh, uh, I got I got to I got I gotta preach. Okay, I gotta preach a little bit already. Here we go. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead. And, I'm so glad that Elijah's servant didn't stop on six. I'm so glad that his servant did not stop on six because how, how easy is it to stop on six? The people that walked around Jericho walked around the city seven times before it finally fell. And it's so easy to get started. It's so easy to start a new job. It's so easy to start a new hobby. It's so easy to start playing the guitar, the piano. But do you want to know what's hard? It's to finish. It's hard to keep going when you walk around the city six times and nothing falls. It's hard to go back to the sea six times when you have seen nothing, no hope coming your way. It's hard to go back the seventh time to see the little hand that's about to come out of the sea. It's hard to walk around the city seven times before it falls down. And it's hard to finish. It really is. It's easy to start. But what I've admired, what i admired in people is the ability to follow through. To follow through. And it says this right here. My I, I preach a little bit. I don't my dad. Uh, I love that dude. He called me. He watched last week's sermon and he called me. He said trape. Said it was good. You know, whatever, whatever. But you wasn't yourself. Like you didn't preach. I was like, well, you know, I'm not trying to go all gas, no brakes already, Dad. I'm just trying to like pump, pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not trying to scare nobody out of here. He said, well, this is his words. He said, well, great. He was so honest and so from his heart. He said, God gave you a gift? And for you to use it, I think, would not, for you not to use it would be like a disservice to the gift, I guess, is what he was saying. And then about an hour after that, my mom called me the same thing like you didn't, we weren't yourself like we don't know you kind of just got up there and like told a little bit but you didn't preach you wasn't and then my aunt called me and told me the same thing and then i was sitting in the car with cat on the way she said the exact none of them talked to each other she said well you said a like about a hundred times so i'm going to stop and focus on that as well but you need people in your life don't you you need people in your life to tell you the hard things you need people in your life to come up and say, "Hey, that wasn't your best," and, and, and it's not because you can't do your best, but it's because you're scared of failure. It's because you're scared of failure. You're scared that people will know you and then not like you. But whatever the hard thing is to hear, you need people in your life that tell you the hard things. Thank God for my parents. <laughs> Verse forty-four. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him. I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry up to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds, a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave a special strength to Elijah. He took his cloak um, under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Um, second scripture I want to read is Matthew. Um, I said it was 7. Matthew 7, towards the end of it. A building on a solid foundation. There it is. Verse 24. Verse 24. And it reads like this. Verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. That's right. God, I pray for this this next couple of moments. I pray that you would speak. I pray that, uh, God, I would get out of the way. Distractions would get out of the way. God, I pray for like the people that I don't even know who are here. And God, to some extent, I don't know anybody here. But God, you know each person like so... Deep down in their soul, you know exactly what they need. And God, I don't, so I pray that you would just put the words in me that that, that they need. Somehow I would just get out of the way and that you would just speak into their lives. God, I pray that they would have eyes to see and ears to listen. God, give me eyes to see and ears to listen as this sermon progresses. God, I pray that, that your will will be done. I love you. Thank you for everything you've given to us, God. Let us love you more every day. In your name I pray, amen and amen. 2020 has been a crazy year, hasn't it? It has started all, if you remember this, in January with the Australian fires. And then when, when after they kind of got their stuff together, on March 6th, Vice President Pence, he announced that America has its 2,000th active case of the coronavirus, that was on March 6th, and then about six days later, about a week later, on March the 12th, it was like the world blew up. I don't know if you remember March the 12th to be exact, but I do, it was so vivid, it's in my memory. NBA showdown, down, March Madness gone, MLB postponed. Sports, PGA tried for a day to keep going, but they were playing the players and then ended up postponing that. Amazon shut down. Their biggest company in uh, Seattle, they got too many people with active cases of the coronavirus, so they shut down. Not only that, but schools all over the nation don't. And still a lot of them are the same way. And I think what has hurt us most specifically in this congregation is that we just quit having church. you remember that? As a nation, we kind of had to stop going to church, and, it, and all kind of problems have come from that. But not only do you have COVID-19 to deal with, you have the secondary losses of COVID-19 to deal with. Did you know that ever since March the 12th hit, job loss has went up 400%? since March the 12th. Now, that is not counting all the people that were furloughed. And statistics show, which would be more millions upon that. But did you know this? To every 1%, every 1% statistics show that job unemployment goes up, so the suicide And the silent killer of anxiety has crept in to our lives. Not and get this, not because necessarily of the aloneness. Not really because of the aloneness. I, I don't think that has a major factor in it. But a big factor in it as well is because it's situational. By look at my life, right, and look at everything that's coming at me. And surrounding me, in the silent killer of depression and anxiety and suicide has spiked in this nation to an all time high right now because of situations, because of aloneness, you name it. Not only is it that, but uh, you have you, a, a big one for me, a secondary loss, so you're going to think this is funny, but it's, it's actually true, has been the face mask. Like, I can't read people's facial gestures with, like, the face mask. And I'm socially awkward as it is. Like, I'm not very good at, like, communicating in crowds. And I was talking to somebody at the football game. And she asked where cat was and I said I miss cat so much because she's just the one that like the goes and introduces people herself and introduces all like hey you know she drags me into conversation but now I'm having to kind of like be that person to, to shake hands and I can't read people's facial gestures they're they they um I, I can't read their their nonverbals because you know they have face that has been weird for me but it's not only been that uh, like, I have a lot of money invested in stocks. Oh, I mean, a lot. <laughs> I barely got ten cents in my piggy bank, but whatever. I heard, I heard that the stock's not doing so well right now either. We have all these secondary losses. You have your own. You have your own. The ones that are, have been bad for you. But we all have these secondary losses. On top of that, on top of that. We have social justice that's rising across the nation. After the shooting of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and the most recent one was uh, who was it? Jacob Jacob Blake, I think is was named Jacob Blake. And from that, we have million. I think the last I checked, it was over a hundred hundred million dollars of damage that was done just from vandalism and and all the all the things that could kind of go along with the craziness of it all. Fear has swept across just because kind of that. My dad was talking to me the other day, and he said, "Drake, one of my biggest fears." And he was talking about the social justice and kind of the election year and everything that it was kind of headed to. He is one of my biggest fears: is um, a civil war. He was honest as he could be. He said, "One of my, bu- my biggest fears are a civil war, but it's not going to be like it was in 1860. It's not going to be kind of like black and white thing." He said, so "I, I, I see that as a possibility. I really think, though," he said my biggest fear. Is that it's going to be between a, a Republicans and Democrats because we're both going different ways right now, and and we're losing the ability to like even listen to the other side. Like one side doesn't listen to to each other, and so I can see us splitting at some point. And he, he was his, his his I guess his uh, his point of it was I'm scared that we won't have a president in office like Abraham Lincoln that kind of keeps our our, our country together. I'm scared of uh, of that happening, and kind of fear has also. Come across 2020, I'll say all that to say 2020's been a crazy year. You can say um, amen, you can say uh, hallelujah, you can say yes, I agree. I had at the last church I was at, we had uh, a girl that was sat about somewhere in here, and uh, it was Miss Chris Sullivan. She would say, um, and so I would say something she would agree with, and she'd be like, "Mm -hmm." and I'll say something else, um. And so if I have any umbers here, I I thought often, I said, if this is what you sound like with me preaching, I would hate to hear what you sound like eating a Krispy Kreme donut. I'll tell you what. (laughs) It's been a crazy year. Uh, Even watching people walk in with a face mask on. I mean, I never thought I would see that, you know, in a church, and then here you are. And so I'm thinking as a pastor, just really as a 20-year, 24-year-old goofball, like I'm thinking like, how do you lead, and how do you like be a Christian in these moments? And I thought to myself, the best way forward sometimes is looking back. So I look back 90, uh, 100-plus years ago to 1934, and you know what I found that happened in 1934? The black blizzards came across this nation. Now, let me, there's a picture, we have a picture on the screen of these black, but they were, they were miles, miles long, and miles wide, and almost some of them would be five football fields high, and they would descend on a city, sometimes taking up to two or three hours to get through the entire city. With a, it was made all of sand, by the way, and it had so much power and grit in the sand and the wind, it would take the paint off of your car. If you were unfortunate enough to be caught in one of these black blizzards, you would lose your eyesight. Not because of having your eyes open like you would in a salt swimming pool, but because what happens is that the sand's moving so fast, it goes through your eyelids. You would instantly become blind. It was so bad that people were putting wet sheets on their doors and on their windows, and when they would wake up in the morning, it would, it would, it would—they would scoop the dust out of their house, and this went on day after day after day. The worst example that I heard was of this one girl who is standing. She's 34 years old, and she's burying her grandmother. Oh, excuse me, her mother. At age 34, burying her mother and then burying her seven-year-old child. Both having died from dust pneumonia, which is when dust gets in there and you breathe it in, it kills you. Both having died. But it was a pretty day at the funeral. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. And when one of the biggest black blizzards came through and swept through. It was the largest one that we have recorded. It was so bad it shut down Congress for five hours. Dust ended up in the White House. It was so bad that 250 miles off the eastern shoreline, dust settled on ships. But that wasn't the worst thing because this had secondary losses too. See, what happened was like with the social distance, I love, I'm a hugger and I'm a shake, shake I, like, I love to shake people's hands. You couldn't even shake somebody's hand. Because of the electric shock that was in the air, if you shook somebody's hand, it could knock you six feet back. That was a double entendre on uh, social distance. So you couldn't hug, you couldn't do anything, it would literally just blow you up. It was so bad that cars had to um, attach, attach chains, metal chains, to the back of their car so it wouldn't short out. But this was a cattle booming generation. And then where it would come from, kind of in Oklahoma, down through Texas and Montana, that was kind of the area that affected most. These were huge cattle industries. But the dust would get caught up in their nose. and It would, it would wipe out all of the cattle. So not only could they not make money, but now they couldn't eat. All the cattle were dying like this every day, every day. More cattle were dying. That's not the worst thing. Probably one of the worst things that happened was uh, jackrabbits. There were tons of jackrabbits that would come in to these these towns because of the blizzards. Actually, it would be from anywhere from 7,000 to 8,000, 15,000. At one time, someone counted 30. 35,000 jackrabbits, 35,000, which I dare you to know, try to do, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 jackrabbits, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 jackrabbits, 19, you're thinking, how long is he going to go? I don't know, 21, 21, and then and then, the, then they bounce, then they then they jump, and then you're like, oh, is that 21 or 22? 21, 22, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, that's okay if you're at 20, but think about being at 3,000 and then, oh, was it 3,005 or 3,006? Oh, okay. okay, 1, 2, 3, that would be terrible. 35,000 jackrabbits descended on the city, and it would eat everything in your home except your door doing Fence posts, gone. All the wood bark off trees, gone. And sure, you can, you can kill some of them, but you're not killing 35,000. You're not killing eight thousand. One of the worst things I read about was uh, the social distancing and, and the young, the young, the young. Uh, I guess because of the child labor laws and things like that, uh, the the kids when they would go to school, because of the dust that was in the air, they would have to wear a mask and they would have to, to, to put it on on uh, their 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 face, and just like kind of today. We see some of the same things occurring. And that was, like I said, in 1934 through probably actually started in 1931. 34 was the worst, and it lasted all throughout probably till 1937 is when it kind of started easing on down. And I, and I, so I wanted to say where was blackjack when all this was happening? That's what I wanted to figure out. And so I did, and I opened up and I found I went to 1934. And um, I found some interesting things. I'll read it to you. I don't know if I can find it again. But uh, I found it once. Okay, 1978. We are too far in this direction. I love, uh, I love what one of these says. 1939. Okay, one reads from like this. From July 1st, Sunday, uh, the month 1937, it says this: Mr. and Miss D. L. Dotty joined the church by letter during the morning services. Brother McGee said Brother D. Nelson would serve as our guest speaker. So there has been a D. Nelson in here before, to which I wrote LOL and highlighted it. You know, all throughout the the 30s, it just kind of goes on as business as usual. All throughout, there's another one that reads like this. August the 3rd Sunday, it says this. Dr. Bullard was the guest speaker for the annual protracted meeting. Services both morning and afternoon with dinner on the ground. There were seven candidates for baptism. Miss Ola Royal, Miss Jewel Matthews, Miss Loyas Chester, G.M. Chester, and David Ledbetter, John and W.A. Davis. Those are all the people that were baptized. Brother McGee conducted the song service which I say, that's pretty cool. In 1936, we baptized seven people because of the revival. And that was in some of the hardest times that we've experienced as a nation. So when I read this, I said, what did the people think back then? And here's my conclusion. Here's my conclusion. It's that they had the faith to go back. And go back and look. And go back and look. And they had the faith to say, hey, I see a hand cloud rising on the water. And so, my question for you is this Do you have the faith to see the hand cloud rising on the water? Do you have the faith to see it? And, and maybe you say, uh, I don't see no hand cloud, Drake, rising on the water of faith and blessings in and, and, and my life. I don't see no hand cloud. Are you crazy? My husband of 35 years, 50 years, 65 years, they just passed away. My best friend is gone all because of the virus. Lost my job. And you're telling me that there's a hand cloud on the horizon? You have lost your mind. But I'll tell you this. Faith, faith is what's hoped for in the things not seen. Not seen. And so I want to have the faith as to this generation to say, I I want to look at where we are in 2020 and say I don't understand God's purpose in it. I don't understand His plan in it. But I do know I see a hand cloud rising and even if I don't see it I know that there's a cloud giver. I know that there's a cloud giver and He's sending something my way. But I have another confession for you. Maybe you're saying, Drake, Draco. Draco, I see the I see the cloud. I see the cloud. And it is no blessing coming my way. It is a curse. I see the storms rising. I see the dark clouds in the sky. I see it coming. I know I only have a few months left of my job. I know that my wife is probably going to walk out on me any minute. I know that my marriage is having some problems. I know that I have anxiety coming my way. I see the cloud. I feel the cloud. I feel it in my gut. I feel it. I sense it in the air. I see the storm. I got arthritis in my knee. And believe on you, I feel the storm coming. And it is no blessing. It is a curse. And maybe that's what you think. And maybe you're right maybe you're right maybe you're right or just maybe or just maybe it's as james says and when trials and tribulations come your way maybe we should consider it an opportunity when by the way trials and tribulations come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for when your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow because when your endurance is fully grown, you will be complete and lacking nothing. Maybe that's it. This is what I think God's trying to tell us. This is what I think God's trying to tell us. Is that when we get through 2020 or 2021 or when you get the job that you want or you find the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with or when you work your marriage out or when you get sober or when you feel like you are not depressed anymore or whatever it is that you have your goal to get to. When you get there, here's what I think God is trying to tell us. When you get to your goal whatever that is I think we should look back and say because of that I'm stronger now. Because of that I was made a better person because I went through that I'm more sanctified I'm wiser I'm tougher I have better faith trials and tribulations did come my way but I grew because of it I had to work a lot but I grew because of it because I think this I think it's the suffering that produces the steadfastness let me tell you a little bit about how this 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 ended the 1930s gave way to the 1940s but little did they know, two decades before in the 1920s, the problem with the Black Blizzards is it was all man-made. Every single bit of it was man-made. See, they came to the plains because of the Homestead, that, that Homestead Act. that was in the 1900s. And as they came, pioneers coming across the land, they'd get up four, 40, 50 acres, and they would get their little John Deere tractors, and they would plow up all the prairie grass that was in the land. And they shipped all that prairie grass out and they started to plant Wheat, cotton, mainly those two things. They planted it all. And the, pros- the prospering that it did in the 1920s, guess what happened in the 1930s? A drought came. And that prairie grass that was good for nothing, that was just ripped up, it was actually good for something because it had deep roots. And when the winds came, that wheat that was planted died. It did not have very deep roots at all. And because of it, it was nothing but dust. And when a 100 mile an hour wind came, it would take all that dust, swirl it around. But that prairie grass that was there for centuries before, you know what it did? Had deep roots, so it kept all that sand compact. Wouldn't let it do that. And the winds gave way and showed what was under the soil. Here's my conclusion. Here's my conclusion. It is having our foundation in Jesus that will, be at, that will cause us to be able to see, the, to see the cloud when we don't see anything. So what does it mean? I don't want to be like a preacher talk. I want to give some examples So, um, what does it mean to have your foundation in Jesus? Let me think of an example. Uh, example, okay, okay, I was dove hunting the other day, I was dove hunting the other day, and um, I was going to talk to different people, I was walking around talking to this person, and this person, this person, and um, all the while I'm talking to whoever it was, I talked to Mr. Doug as well, I think that's his name, Mr. Doug, anyways, I was going around talking to everybody, and I was talking, but I was steadily watching for doves, I was steadily watching for doves, and I think that's what it means to have your foundation in Jesus, if that makes sense. You do everything in life. You have to, you have roles that you do. All the while you're doing your roles and going through life, always having your eyes on Jesus. One more example. I was sitting there dove hunting, and I had my phone on, and I was listening to sermons, listening to songs, worship music, and listening to scripture, letting it be read over me. See, I was doing something, but at the core, the center is Jesus, always keeping your eyes focused. I took this here book this morning, and I... Uh, you said that you saw Ben in the, uh, the, the sanctuary, uh, no, the cemetery. Uh, he, he ran over. It was because I was actually in the cemetery this morning. He was just sitting with me. I saw him pull up and he ran. I was hoping you didn't see me because I thought you might think I was weird. So I was praying you didn't see me. But, anyways, I was going through the cemetery and each person and uh, has all the names. And I was just reading a little bit about all the people that, I, that, that their tombstone said. So I see a tombstone, I just read something about them kind of passing on just to kind of get an idea. And as I kept reading and reading about these specific individuals I thought to myself you have a history book of your life too. You have a book of everything that you have done. And when it's all said and done and you're standing before Jesus, He's going to ask you one question. It's going to be what was your foundation on? What was your foundation in? And if it's anything other than Jesus you're out of luck. You're out of luck. You have a history. You write your own history. My question is, what will the history be for you, Clayton? You can come up and, um, I'll tell you what, it's kind of late, so we'll just uh, ease on. We'll, I'll say a prayer and we can ease on now. Um, I didn't even speak this long. Preacher, though, I'm a baddest preacher. You're like, you know, you gotta be long. And we said amen right here in the back. Absolutely. I'll tell you what. Um, let me end it like this. Let me end it like this. I believe that there's three people in the room, three types of people in the room. first type is that you need to have the faith to be able to see the cloud, right? You need the faith to see the cloud. I don't see anything right now. You need to pray for that faith to see the cloud. second type of person in the room, I believe, is the person that needs to set their foundation in Jesus. Your foundation is not Jesus, but you need that foundation to be in Jesus. third type of person, I believe, could be here is the person that says, I need to get my life right. I need to get my life right because I know what's in my history book. I know what's in my history book. And as the twenties gave way to the thirties, so it is. What you sow now, you will reap then, or either reap. And so I'm not sure. I'm not a farmer. Okay. What the twenties become come before the thirties, and so it is in your life. Whatever direction you're pointing is the direction you'll end up. I'm gonna pray. And um, if you need to come talk to me, just as we, as we all, this part, dismiss, um, I'll be walking around, so if you want to come talk to me, I'll be happy to talk to you as well. Um, that's right. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today. Um, God, we love you. We thank you.